All right, hey, good morning. Welcome to River Ridge. Again, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, one of the things that I love about Christmas is that my dad goes overboard with making a nativity scene each year. And um, if you ever, how many of you ever seen Christmas Vacation, right? Okay, almost all of you, right? And if you remember, there's Clark decorates the house with all these lights, right? And then plugs it in and then it blacks out the rest of the city. Remember that scene? Okay, my dad, Harry Sandon, is to nativity scenes what Clark Griswold is to lighting your house. Like he goes way, way overboard. And so here's a picture of this year's nativity scene. It's actually a little bit dialed down from other years, uh, but I need to get, sort of orient you to what's going on here. So the left, the green part, that's act to get you like the size of this thing. That's a baby grand piano that he has built the uh, left side of the, of the uh, nativity scene. And then he's got sort of an upper deck back there with like that lean-to triangle thing. And then if you look closely where the camel is, he's connected a board across to this kind of bookshelf thing on the right and a pine cone and Bambi over there, I think, on the right. So, so that's what my dad does. And, and this is, like I said, this is a bit of a tame year. Uh, there's been other years, like he's put 20 figures from the 18th century in his nativity scene. I'm like, I don't know why you're doing that, Dad. And there was another year he put all sorts of safari animals from Africa. We got zebras and lions and cheetahs in the main, visiting Bethlehem. Of course, there's lots of zebras in Bethlehem. Who didn't know that? Um, but he has an absolute blast with it. But here's the thing, and I hope he keeps doing it, and I love that he does it. But as, I think that what he does with the nativity scene in some ways is a great statement about what happens, unfortunately, at Christmas. Because if you look at that picture, it's really hard to find out where Jesus is. Like, you got to look and you go, okay, is Jesus up there at that lean-to on the left or maybe on the right where the wise man is? Oh, oh no, he's down there in Mary's lap, I think. You got to look for Jesus pretty hard in that nativity scene to find him. And the same thing happens in our culture, that there's so much surrounding Christmas there's parties, there's gifts to buy, there's trees to, to decorate, there's cookies to bake, there's all this stuff that goes on around Christmas season that it can be hard to find Christ, even though it's all supposed to be about Christ, it ends up being a distraction, it ends up sucking us away from finding Jesus Christ at Christmas time. And so what we decided to do is we decided to label this series Simple Christmas because we want Christmas to be remembered this year for us at River Ridge as just the simple message that Christ came to earth. And so each week we have just a one-syllable word that follows the Advent wreath of hope, peace, joy, and love to remind us of the simplicity of Christ and the simplicity of Christ at Christmas. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for what we're going to encounter today as we talk about peace. God, I thank you that you desire for us to have peace with you. You desire us to have peace in so many different ways, uh, and it starts with Jesus. And I pray that as we look into your scriptures this morning, that you would help us to see that, and that you would help us to see ourselves in the scriptures and understand what it is that you want, not just from us, but what you want for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about hope. And hope, not in the sense of, I hope I have a good Christmas, or I hope things go well this December, this holiday season, 
But hope, as we understand it from a biblical perspective, is hope is the confident expectation that God will do what is right and good in the future. That's what hope is. It's a confident expectation that God has all things under his control and the future will be what God wants it to be. Now, that may be different than the future that I want, but hope is an expectation of God and that he will do what he does and that we live in that expectation. But we talked about last week that this hope that we have, it's not just for us. It's not just for church people. It's not just for people who come to church in, at Christmas time or December all year round. That the hope that God has for the world, the hope that God wants for everybody, is for the whole world. And so part of what we want to do at Christmas this year is we want to be part of spreading that simple message of hope to the world. And so if you were here last week, we gave out a whole bunch of these cards, uh, which are called kindness cards. And I challenged you, I said, take this card and do something kind for somebody else. Leave a big tip at a restaurant. Pay for somebody's toll on the turnpike. Uh, find whatever you can do to do, serve somebody in some way, and then give this as a reminder of why it is that you're doing this act of kindness that you're doing. And so a bunch of you took these. We actually kind of ran out in some places, and so we replenished. If you want to get one on your way out, that'd be awesome so you can be part of spreading this, and just as creative as you can be. And, uh, and on the back of it, it says riverridge.org slash kindness. And so if people want to find out why does I get this card or what's it about, they can go there, and then they can kind of tell their story. And so we got a couple of stories this week one was a waiter or waitress at the bistro uh, up in South Hills. Somebody left them a big tip. So one of you blessed somebody in that way, and they went and checked out this website. The another one, which I thought was really neat, they said, somebody gave me a hug on a day that I really needed a hug, and then they gave me a kindness card. There are all kinds of ways that we can be involved in expressing kindness to our world. But it starts with the simple message of Christmas. And so last week we talked about hope, and we finished by reading a verse about hope that leads to these other parts of the Advent story. It says this in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the hope, excuse me, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope says that when we have hope in a relationship with Christ, when we have a, a living, vibrant relationship with Christ, then what flows out of that is peace and joy. And depending how well you know the Christmas story, you know that a chorus of angels came down and appeared to the shepherds. And they sang this little song, and then the shepherds went and dispersed and told people about the coming of Christ. But what the angels said to the shepherds was this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to all on whom his favor rests. That's why Christ came. Christ came to give us peace. And so as we talk about peace, we could talk about peace in terms of having a peace with ourselves. Because I think sometimes in life we lack peace with ourselves. We look around and we compare ourselves. I think we compare our insides to other people's outsides. And we go, wow, they seem to have it all together. Man, they're so funny, or they're so good in a crowd, or boy, she looks great in a pair of jeans, and I don't, and, and we have this comparison that goes on that leaves us with a lack of peace in our lives. And so we could talk about peace with ourselves this morning, but we're not going to talk about that kind of peace. You know, the other kind of place that peace comes up a lot 
is in our relationships. You know, that anxiety, the lack of peace, conflict, the lack of peace, causes us some of the most distressing times in our world. I mean, if you think about all the stuff that goes on, it's the conflict with people, the lack of peace with people that really gets under our skin that's the most difficult to deal with. You know, for some of you, it may be at home. That your husband and wife, man, there's just not much peace going on there. Or maybe you feel like you're constantly on your kids about stuff and there's not peace there. Or maybe you look at your parents and you're like, man, they're always on me and there's not peace there. You know, there's also that person that we know that just plain bugs us. Like whatever they say, it's like, oh, it's just like, you know, fingers on a chalkboard. Just, it bugs you. And and by the way, if you don't have anybody in your life that's like that, it's probably you, just just saying, right? (laughs) So, but you know, we have, it's like, gosh, if I could learn to live with peace with that person or if I could have some more peace at the office. It's like, man, it's just craziness there. We could talk about peace with people this morning, but we're not gonna talk about that either. You know, we could talk about peace with our past because I know a lot of us struggle with stuff from our past. Things that happened maybe yesterday that we feel guilty about. Things that happened a couple of months ago that we feel shame about. Or things that happened years ago, two, three years ago, that we still bear the scars from. And we don't have peace with our past. Our past still affects our present. And we could talk about that kind of peace this morning, but we're not going to talk about that either. We could also talk about peace about our future. Because I don't know about you, but when we think about the future, I know when I think about the future, there's a lot of anxiety and unrest sometimes about the future that we're not sure what the future is going to hold. And we could be thinking kind of the near future, like families coming together, and is it going to be peaceful or is it going to be an eruption? Or we think about the future, like I'm not sure what next year holds because I'm newly divorced. I'm not sure what next year holds because there's a job change that I know is happening with my company. I'm not sure what next year holds, and we have this fear of the future that results in a lack of peace. But we're not going to talk about that either this morning. Or we could talk about the lack of peace in the present. Because you may be in a place in your life right now where life is just swirling. There's so much going on in the circumstances of your life that there's no peace. There's total unrest. And you know, or you think you know, or you feel like, if I could just change my circumstances, I could experience peace right now. But because of the circumstances in my life, I'm getting robbed of peace, and so I don't have peace in my life now. And so we could talk about how to have that kind of peace in our life, but we're not going to talk about that either. Instead, what we're going to talk about this morning is something that relates to all these different types of peace that we look at in our lives. We're going to talk about what does it mean to have peace with God? What does it look like to have peace with the creator of the world? And we're going to talk about it in two different ways. There's sort of two varieties here, if you will. One is what I would call ultimate peace, being an ultimate or eternal peace with God. And then the other is what we talk about specific or daily peace with God. We're going to talk about that as well. But in order for us to say, hey, there's not peace, we say, why is there not peace? Why The lack of peace is conflict. What conflict is there between us and God? So if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. It says this in verse 23. 
just one simple verse. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, we can look at the world around us, and we know that there's sin out there. I mean, you just open up the newspaper, and you go, wow, it is a sinful and broken world. You watch the news, it is a sinful and broken world. You look at just people around you and the way that they treat each other, we go, it is a sinful and broken world out there. But we can also look in the mirror and go, there's sin in my heart. That I don't always do what God wants me to do. Sometimes I choose what I want to do. You know, and, and we have this thing, we, and even if you're a person that says, I'm not really sure I believe in the Bible and God's commands and all that kind of stuff, you know, we can still see that we're sinful in this, in this sense, is that we have a standard that we hold other people to. I expect this out of somebody, good driving or whatever it is, or, you know, different things, and then we break those same kind of standards that we hold other people to. All of that points to this central idea that all of us are tainted with sin. You know, and as Paul writes this to the, to the Romans, he was not in Rome. He was not with these people. He says, all people, no matter where they are, have the same problem of falling short of the glory of God. People in Jerusalem, people in Rome, people in Charleston, West Virginia. This describes all of us because we all violate the commands of God. If we flip over a couple of chapters in your Bible, we see the solution. It says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word. That's what we're looking for, is peace with God. How do we have peace with God? It says we have peace with God. Does it say through coming to church regularly? That's how you have peace with God. No, it doesn't say that. We have peace with God through obeying the Ten Commandments. doesn't say that. We have peace with God by following God as best we're able to do. That's not peace with God. We have peace with God when we sin less tomorrow than we did yesterday. Or I have peace with God when I'm a good person, when I try my best, when I'm a good father, when I'm a good husband. But it doesn't say any of that. It says this. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have peace with God through following the Ten Commandments. We don't have peace with God through being a good person. We don't have peace with God through going to church. We have peace with God, how? Through Jesus Christ. Because it says, since we have been justified by faith. To be justified by faith means that we place our faith in Jesus Christ as the solution to our sin. That Jesus Christ died on the cross, and when we receive Christ into our lives, there is a transaction that takes place, or an exchange that takes place. That we give Christ our sin, and then Christ's perfect life comes to us. And so now, we talk about eternal peace. That God looks at us on judgment day, on the day that we die, God looks at us, and He sees Christ's perfect life instead of our sinful and tainted life because we have given that to Christ as he has died on the cross for us. That's the ultimate eternal peace that all of us are looking for. And it comes, we could put it this way, 
Peace with God begins with faith in Christ. Peace with God begins with faith in Christ. That's the first step that we have in making peace with God, is placing our faith in Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if this is your first time in church, or you've come to church your whole life, or just a couple times, you know a whole lot about God, you've never read the Bible, you've read the whole Bible. Everybody comes to faith in Christ. Everybody makes peace with God the same way, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Instead of trusting your own obedience, instead of trusting your own way, trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's the ultimate peace that all of us need and want and desire in life. But then there's also this question of our specific peace, of our everyday peace. And this is the type of thing where there's still, once we receive Christ, it's not as though, hey, I'm no longer sinful, there's no longer any problems in my life. We still have this conflict with God. And there's a great verse that addresses this, and this is 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say it's kind of a sinner in the way that John uses it, if we say that we have peace with Christ, if we say that we have that, but yet we walk in darkness, we walk ignoring God, it says we're making ourselves out to be liars. That's not actual peace with God. It's living in this active rebellion. You know, there's a part of peace that is about an everyday thing where every day we wake up and we say, I submit my will to yours. Not what I want, God, but what you want. And when we do that, we are living at peace with God. And we submit our dreams to him and our goals to him and our decisions to him and our relationships to him. That's making peace with God in a sustained way because we're submitting ourselves to God. And we put it this way, peace with God is sustained by submission to God. Peace with God is sustained by submission to God. And I want to talk about this a little bit by way of an analogy. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I went to Kings Island as a kid. How many of you have been to Kings Island? Okay, almost, well, good. Almost as many people who have seen Christmas Vacation have been to Kings Island, right? So, but I went to Kings Island, and one of the rides that I liked to ride when I was in middle school, like 12 years old or so, is the antique cars. And uh, this picture of the antique cars, uh, if you've ever seen them. And, uh, and here's why I like to ride the antique cars in Cincinnati at Kings Island. Is, uh, first of all, the line for the Beast was always like two hours long because I was in middle school right when the Beast came out. So it was way too long to stand in line. But the other is that I could drive because I wasn't old enough to drive a car, but I could drive these antique cars. And so I would drive these cars. And the way that this uh, works, if you've ever been on them or if you haven't, kind of explaining, is that there's a path that you follow, and it's I don't know, maybe a quarter mile or half mile path that the ride goes on. You just you get to drive the car yourself. But there's this metal thing in the middle of the path that keeps you from going off the, off the path. So you can't actually just drive it home or drive it over to the beast or to the racer or something like that. You have to follow the path. Well, what you could do if you were sort of a mischievous middle school child, and we 
Don't have the middle schoolers in here on purpose so that they don't go do this at some other amusement park. But what you could do is once you got out of sight of the station, you could hit the gas and let go of the wheel and the thing down the middle, and you just go bang, 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 hitting every side of that thing. Very fun, not very peaceful, right? Or what you could do, and I tried this a couple times. It didn't work. Um, but when, when the road, like I try and get it off the track, and so when the road goes to the right, I would speed up as fast as I think could go, like, you know, eight miles an hour or something. I'm just cruising there. The road goes right, and I just yank the wheel to the left and try and jump the track, and it never worked, right? Fun, not very peaceful. Or I would, you know, sometimes drive and just carelessly, and you, you kind of bang the edges, and you're sort of a bit out of control. And again, whenever you hit, there's this sort of jolt. Now, here's why I share this story with you, is that it's an illustration of what it means to live at peace with God. Because if, you take, if you're in that antique car and you drive right down the path as it curves throughout, around, in and around King's Island, around this pond, as you do that, you're at peace. You're not having a bumpy ride. And the same is true in our own lives. That when we are at peace with God, when we follow the path that God has for us, then we are at peace with God. Instead of always trying to jump the track, instead of just letting go and wherever it goes, it goes. That that's when we are at peace with God. Jesus Christ came to earth, born as a baby, so that we could have peace with God. In one of the prophecies about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, it says this. Part of it says, For to us a child is born... And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That he is the Prince of Peace to give us peace in our lives. And the word peace in Hebrew, and you may have heard this and didn't know that it meant peace, but the word in Hebrew for peace is shalom. You know, sometimes that's a greeting, shalom, right? So peace is from the Hebrew word shalom. But they had a slightly different understanding of peace than we do. When we think about peace, we think about the absence of something. We think about peace as on a, you know, if I'm in a peaceful place, you know, by a lake or in a meadow or in the woods, it's the absence of loud chaos around me. Or we think about peace in a relationship is the absence of conflict with other people. Or we think about peace in our finances is the absence of of debt. So we think about peace as the absence of something. But shalom is not actually that. Shalom, peace, is the presence of God. That's what shalom is. It's the presence of God. And here's what's interesting, is you can have shalom, the presence of God, even if there's chaos around you, even if you're in a big city, in a busy place, even if you're, you know, stressed about whatever, you can have no matter what goes on around you, you can have shalom because it's the peace of God with you. And so God gives us this peace, this shalom, and then it affects all the other areas of our lives. Peace with our present, peace with our past, peace with our future, peace with ourselves, peace with other people. Because when I have the peace of God in my life, then I'm content 
with who I am and how God made me, and I can be at peace with myself. And when I have peace with God, I can be at peace with other people, and I can understand how to relate to them and when I need to adjust my life, and I can have peace with others because I have peace with God. And because I have peace with God, I can have peace with my past because I know that I am forgiven of every single thing in my past. And it comes because I have peace with God. And I can have peace about my future because my hope is in Christ. And that's where there's this overlap, that I have hope in Christ for God has my future. And so I can have peace about my future because God will orchestrate things as they should be. And I can have peace about my present, about right now. Because no matter the circumstances I'm going through, Christ is there with me. The shalom of God is there right where I am now, no matter what's going on in my life. I want to take a moment and talk to three different groups of people. The first, if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior, that this morning might be that time that you would place your faith in Christ for the eternal hope for the eternal peace that you can have. It's just basically saying a prayer to God, saying, God, this is my desire. I trust you and not myself. For some of you, you're walking in darkness, that you have been running from God. You have received Christ as your Savior at some time in the past, but you found yourself here because a friend invited you, you wandered in, or however you found yourself here, and you know that you have been running from God pretty hard. And this morning, you can have peace with God again just by coming back and confessing your sin to him. And then I also know there's some of you who are here that there's an area of your life where you're rebelling. It's not your whole life, but there's some relationship, some part that you're hiding from God, you're trying to put behind God. Don't see this part. And that's causing you not to have the peace with God that you could have. It's causing you not to have the shalom with God that you could have. And so this morning for you, it's coming back and saying, God, I confess this area of my life. I want to get this part of my life straight with you. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And I just want you to hear from God. I want you to consider what is it that God is speaking to your heart? Maybe it's to receive Christ as your Savior this morning. Maybe you've been running from him and it's time to return. Or maybe there's just one area of your life that you have kept hidden from God, started to do your own thing, and you want to bring that back under the Lordship of Jesus to submit that to Him. Wherever you are, I pray that God would do that for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning. Give us the courage to walk the path that you give us. God, we know that the road ahead of us is filled with peace if we will walk with you, but sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we don't see it. But Lord, give us the courage to always walk the path of submitting our lives to you so that we could have your peace in our lives. And that peace goes to every relationship, past, present, and future. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.